Our Lord was the sinless one, and he knows what it's like to be heavy in spirit, to be the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is grieved, we're told, and very distressed, and in fact, Hebrews tells us he is a sympathetic high priest that prays for you and me. If you know him as your savior, he prays for you, and he prays not from a distance. He knows what it's like. And as he contemplates what's before him, he is deeply grieved in his very soul. And he is a sympathetic pathos, pain, grief, simp, the the prefix. We get our word sympathetic. He knows he's with us in those things. He knows what it's like. That's what Hebrews says about him. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Man of Sorrows. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. I was reading and thinking about this, the other portions of Scripture, the very first psalm says, how happy is the man who gets his input from God's Word? How how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked? nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't spend all his time just listening to what others are saying, and the wicked and the ungodly and the scoffers. But no, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The first song in the worship book, first psalm says, get your input from God's word. Not even Peter, (laughs) you know. These guys got caught up. And then I looked at the first chapter of the book of wisdom. And, you know, the book of Proverbs. And the father, it's an earthly father saying to his son, my son, listen to me. The fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. Listen to me, listen to you. And the book of wisdom, God speaking through Solomon, you know, but he says, listen to your mom, listen to your dad. Listen to their teaching. And if you get enticed to go with the crowd, and I read the chapter with this thought in mind, and it was interesting to me that the scoffers who were saying, hey, come on, let's go. Come on, let's get out of here. Let's do some. It was always plural. They were saying, you know. But when the young man was addressed, it's singular. Listen to me, wisdom. And I just suggest it because we see it here And uh, I say, even in the best of churches, you know, be careful where you get your input from. Uh, Negative things can be contained. So can positive, by the way. Paul writes to Timothy and he said, flee youthful lusts and pursue that which is right and good and spend your time with those who pursue the Lord with pure hearts, you know. 2 Timothy 2, 22. So enough said. But it is shocking to me, and it's a principle that I guess it isn't shocking because I've experienced it, and I think you have too. And uh, I would say be intentional who you spend your time with. And then even in the best of company, check everything out by God's word. Well, let's read it now. And actually, I just when I come to verse 36 and following, I often tell people that ask me about this passage, we're on holy ground. Take your shoes off, Moses. When Moses was out there in the wilderness and came up to that burning bush, you're on holy ground. I feel that way as I come to Gethsemane. So let's, uh, let's read it, 
and I'll read it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. But then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came back and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping, taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Where I worship, our church has a practice of having a week of prayer each year at the start of the year. And uh, we're in the midst of that right now. So I have a hard time reading anything, reading this, without uh, thinking about how it applies to prayer. And so I don't have to work very hard. You'll see, you know, here at the hour, the hour of all crisis, Jesus, our Savior, is praying and submitting to the Father. And good men, Peter, James, John, are not. Are not. Well, uh, let's just walk through it. Notice verse 36. When we get to Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. You know, I've noticed that the Lord never prays while he was here on earth, he never was in a group prayer that's recorded for us, like just praying together. Uh, in John 6, he prayed 
by giving thanks for the bread that he was breaking and multiplying to feed 5,000. He gave thanks. But he didn't pray with us. And I, I wonder why, and I pause and mull it over. And, you know, he told us, he taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, say this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he gave us, you know, he, he wants us to pray. And he, he says, you go over there and I'll, and, and he went away and prayed. Why is that? Well, if you think about what he taught us to pray, any of us who know Jesus Christ, who come to God in Jesus' name, we could pray together, and that's a great way to bond. It's a great way to spend time together. And we can pray, oh, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. The Lord can't pray that. He doesn't, he doesn't ever ask for forgiveness. He doesn't need forgiveness. He is separate from us, even though he identified with us. And I just point that out because he said to the disciples, stay here, sit right here, and I'll go over there and pray. And then he took with him Peter and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee. Uh, He took with him his closest disciples. There are several occasions in the Gospels where he'd take the three, Peter, James, and John, with him further than he would the others. And uh, these leaders, Peter, James, and John, uh, he poured specific time into them. And But, you know, it doesn't mean that they were without flaw. I mean, you look through Peter's life and you see more flaws perhaps. And in fact, that might be the way it'll be with leaders. They're out there where you can take shots at them. And uh, Peter, you know, the Bible records some here. And John and James, they, they're the ones that came to him and said, should we call fire down on this village? And he said, you guys, you know. So the three that he took with them, he said, uh, he went a little beyond them. He said to them, remain here and keep watch with me. And then he went a little beyond them and fell on his face. Now notice, though, what verse 37 says. Don't miss this. He, the Lord Jesus, began to be grieved, lupeo, sorrow, grief. Our Lord is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He began to be grieved and distressed, a word that means very heavy. Heaviness came over him. Very heavy. He was grieved and distressed. In Mark's account of this, yet a third word is used of our Lord that speaks of being thoroughly alarmed just with what was coming over him. Let me just say, have you ever been grieved? You ever been sorrow, heaviness set in? It's not necessarily wrong. Our Lord was the sinless one, and he knows what it's like to be heavy in spirit, to be the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is grieved, we're told, and very distressed. And in fact, you know, I say it carefully, I reiterate, we're on holy ground here. But then he said to them, then he explained to them, he wasn't just grieved and and sorrowed here and distressed. He explained to them, verse 38, My soul is deeply grieved. It's a strengthened form of lupeo. It's like, I am really grieved. And not just 
circumstantially. No, my very soul. Amazing language, amazing language of our Lord. By the way, Hebrews tells us he is a sympathetic high priest that prays for you and me. If you know him as your savior, he prays for you and he prays not from a distance. He knows what it's like. And as he contemplates what's before him, he is deeply grieved in his very soul. And he is a sympathetic pathos, pain, grief, simp, the the prefix. We get our word sympathetic. He knows he's with us in those things. He knows what it's like. That's what Hebrews says about him. And uh, just as he knows what it's like to be betrayed. Verse 21, he'd already announced it. So he knows uh, what it's like to be pouring out your heart to the Lord in prayer. And let's listen to him. He went a little beyond them, fell on his face, verse 39, and prayed saying, my father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. When he contemplated what was facing him, It wasn't merely the torturous execution of the cross. However, it was. Uh, I remember when ISIS was really rearing its ugly head a couple years ago, and they crucified some Christians. How it just shocks you. Just the physical, barbaric, torturous way to die, you know. But the Lord, of course, he was going to be not just physically suffering, but he was going to bear our sins in his body. When he thought of the cup that the Father had given him, he knew the sky was going to go dark. He knew he was going to hang there and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My guilt, my shame, what was due me, fell on him. If possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, listen to him, not as I will, but as you will. Just like he knows what it's like to be betrayed, he knows even the prayer questions we have. In a week of prayer, we're, we're gathering many times this week, and it's been a rich week But there are those, anytime you pray, we pray for things and they don't always happen. And we wonder, and we don't always know how to pray. And sometimes we pray with real passion for something and something else is what God does. And we can ask those questions. Even our Lord knows that. He knows what it's like to pray. And he's a model of praying, letting your requests be made known to the Lord, but submissively and not as I will, but as you will. Father, um, I tell you, it's an amazing thing because we've seen many answers to prayer. I was talking to a prominent surgeon recently in this town, and he told me of being mid-surgery, and he had what he said, and he described the situation, but he said, we just speak of it as a bleeder. They don't, they don't come out of it. It's just you try everything you can, and we had a bleeder. And he paused, and he told me, He, with one other believer, they prayed together and just, and he said, I was tired. I was, I, and I know, he said, I knew what was going to happen. But the other believer just said, Lord, 
stop the bleeding, you know. And he said he came back to that case and the bleeding stopped. You see, we can ask God for anything and he, you know, but our Lord Jesus is a model for us here. Well, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you guys, because it's a plural, the next you. He speaks to Peter individually, but he's speaking you all, like a southerner would, you know, and that's why we translate it you men. So you 11, well, these three here is who he's talking to because the other eight are over there. But he says, so y'all could not keep watch with me for one hour. Too high a view of yourself, too low a view of the scripture will leave you and me prayerless. Prayerless. That's where Peter was. Self-confident and not praying. Do you struggle with prayer? Keep watching and praying, verse 41, that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. This cup, drinking down the dregs of God's wrath against sin. I can't imagine it. I don't think we'll ever fully figure it out. In, in all eternity, we will stay amazed that God, the Son, willingly bore our sins in his body on the cross. If you're here today, let me tell you, and you don't know Christ, that's the gospel. God himself said, you have a sin problem. Take God's word for it. Go low with God. He diagnosed us as all of us as sinners. And we try to solve it this way and that way. He says, there's only one solution. The wages of sin is death. And I'm going to die for you. And not merely die, he rose again. Well, he came back and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. I don't think I even have to comment. Faithlessness, sleepiness, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You add this up and you get this situation of a man who was too occupied with himself and not listening to God's word enough. And all of them were. Their eyes were heavy. Well, he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. The drama here is amazing to me. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand. The hour of all eternity, the hour of all history was right upon them. And they were sleepy. I struggle with that, don't you? He knows. He's mindful that we're but dust. He doesn't rebuke them. He gently three times says, couldn't you guys stay awake and watch with me for one hour? But he, the sinless one, at the crux of all history, is praying and he's submitting his will to the Father's will. And he says, the hour is now. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let's be going. The one who betrays me is at hand. I haven't purposely because uh, we didn't, I didn't want to, but I do want to turn. You can turn there if you like as we close to Luke 22. Luke's account of this scene was prefaced with this. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission 
to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Let me summarize it by saying that isn't just for Simon. The Lord Jesus prays for every one of us who know him. He says, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those whom you've given me out of the world. He prays for us. He knows how frail we are. He knows how prone we are to sleep when we ought to be praying. He knows how prone we are to be a little too confident in ourselves and have a little too low a view of his word. We don't listen to his word. We contradict it, even when he reiterates it sometimes. We're so much like Peter. But he says, Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for you. You're going to get sifted, but I have prayed for you. This is so different than one who doesn't know him but pretends to know him, Judas. No, this is the leader of the disciples. And he says, when you've, been, when you've turned back to me, strengthen your brothers. And then he goes to the hour of Gethsemane. He goes to the cross for people like Peter and me and you who are untrustworthy. But we have a completely trustworthy sim pathetic high priest who was grieved and distressed even to the point of death for us. Today, if you've heard his voice, don't just listen. If today God is saying you need to turn and take your place as a sinner and find him to be your savior, take God's word for the solution, come to Christ. And if you know Christ, walk in humility with him and we can't help but praise him for what he did for us. Father, we do thank you that Jesus Christ came and willingly laid his life down for the sheep. And it was not a light thing in any way. We can't describe it. Our language is stretched beyond ability to think of what took place. But when we hear the one who had always had fellowship with you, saying, if possible, remove this cup, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Oh, we praise you for being that kind of God, Father, that you gave your son and he willingly laid his life down for us. And we do thank you that he rose again. And we look ahead just a page here and we're so thankful that death could not hold him. And that he said, because I live, you shall live also. May we go with these things in our minds and hearts today, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Man of Sorrows, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Something we've been making available as a thank you gift for our listeners are USB flash drives loaded with Bible teaching series in their entirety. 
So currently, we're offering the entire teaching of the Gospel of Matthew. That's 109 full-length messages, over 50 hours of clear, Christ-centered Bible teaching on this important introductory book of the New Testament. We'd like to make these teachings available to you, our listeners. Just make your request, along with your gift of any size, to the ministry of Abide in the Word. You can do that during regular business hours by calling 503-524-7000 or mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. You can simply click on Contact Us at AbideInTheWord.us anytime. We'd love to put one of these valuable resources in your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Well, at that time, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me? as though I were a robber. Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you didn't seize me. He kind of uh, points out how ridiculous this is. Uh, He says, you come out like I'm a criminal or something? I've been sitting in the temple. You could have arrested me any time. Of course, they didn't want to. They wanted to do it in secret. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to lose favor with the people. The people were still pretty excited about Jesus. This is the week he'd come into town and they said, hail, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. But now they want to do it in stealth. But all this has taken place, Jesus went on to say, verse 56, all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, The Hour is at Hand. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.